Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. Well, as you think about maybe even different advertisements you see, you, you hear about what things run on. Maybe you think about cars and a car that runs on diesel or now more and more a car that runs on electricity or some kind of battery or charge, right? Or you think even about Dunkin' Donuts' slogan that America runs on Dunkin', right? That it's their donuts, their coffee that are fueling Americans to go out and live their lives. Well, today let's think about Christianity. Let's think about the Christian life. What does it run on? And I think one thing we'll see throughout the scriptures is Christianity runs on faith. Faith is what fuels the Christian life. And as we think about faith specifically, one thing we're going to see today is how remembering what God has done in the past fuels our faith. We get this idea that Christianity runs on faith. We saw that even yesterday in Romans chapter 1, that the righteous shall live by faith. It is by faith from first to last. That is what dominates the Christian life. But what is going to, if faith is what fuels our life, then what fuels that faith? And that's where I think we're going to see looking backwards can actually help propel us forwards in the Christian life. Let's start today in Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 8. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So there he remembers what God has done for him. He he remembers waiting on the Lord, but he goes into just some pretty amazing and poetic detail about what God then did in return for him. He drew him up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, he says, and set my feet upon a rock. Do you remember your salvation this way? Do you remember the mess that you were in? And now in the Christian life, we don't want to look back, especially we don't want to look back with fondness towards or any temptation that we used to have or towards our own sinful ways. But there can be a useful remembrance of what God saved us from. Even there can be a a useful thought of where would I be? What kind of miry bog would I be in had not God saved me? But now he hasn't just saved me and forgiven my sin. He has pulled me out and he has set my feet upon a rock. He he has put me in a good place and filled my heart with a new song and with praise to God. And even a good way to remember what God has done for you is to share that with other people. Uh, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, who does not go aside after a lie, he says. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. 
The psalmist here, David, he is saying he's telling people of the great things that God has done. That's a great way to remember, and that should fuel our faith. And we see a little more of that faith in verses 6 through 8. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. O my God, your law is within my heart. And so there we see, even going back to the Old Testament, that this whole being justified by faith and living by faith, that's not a New Testament invention. Uh, That has been the way the whole time. It has never really been about sacrifices. And even the sacrifices, when done rightly, were an expression of faith. But then notice what he says in the end, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within our heart. That is what faith should look like. God, because of what you have done for me, because you have taken me out of the pit and the miry bog and you set my feet upon a rock, well, boom, now I delight to do your will. I want to do what you want me to do, God. And that should be all of our prayer. We see in Hebrews, these verses are applied to Jesus Christ. He is the one who has done this perfectly. But in in many ways, that then should be an example to us, that we should follow in the footsteps of Christ. We should follow in the faithful footsteps of David and say, God, I remember what you've done for me. I remember how you've delivered me. And now, God, I want to tell that to others, and I want to delight to do your will. So I'd encourage you today to even think about your own personal testimony and consider how God saved you. And that should be something that fuels your faith, which then fuels the Christian life. We also see this similar concept on a broader scale as we go to Deuteronomy 11 and 12. Deuteronomy 11 and 12, and at the beginning of chapter 11, he's trying to give them a similar idea of remembering what he had done in a way that would fuel their faith towards following him. And he says, starting in chapter 11, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his commandments, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known it or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm. And then he gives a couple examples, one outside of the nation and all the things that God did to judge Egypt right? And parting the Red Sea and bringing it back and destroying the Egyptian army. And then he also brings up an example within the nation as he reminds them of Dathan and Abiram, which if you remember that from earlier in our reading, those were the men who challenged the authority of Moses and God responded and backed up Moses by having the ground open up and and swallow these men in their tents uh, whole, right? They, They just went down straight into the earth. God did that in a way to show, no, these men are not doing what's right. They are not honoring the leader that I have chosen. And God gives these awesome examples to encourage them, hey, you've got to trust me. And that's what then he goes on to say. He describes then the nation of Israel, which if you've been there, you realize there's the Jordan River, but that's kind of off on the side. That's on the border of the nation. There are not a lot of rivers and natural resources in a lot of the land of Israel itself. It is very dependent on rain. 
And so God is saying, hey, I'm kind of making it that way because this is going to be a testing ground of your faith. Remember all that I've done and trust me. And if you trust me and if you obey through faith what I am telling you to do, I'm going to bring the reins and you're going to have all that you need and more. Trust me. But if you do not listen, if you do not have faith, if you do not obey, I will shut up the heavens. There will not be rain and you will not have what you need. And he says at the end of the chapter, starting in verse 26, see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, but turn aside from the way that I'm commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. And similarly, every single one of us, even as we go through the Christian life, each day there's going to be blessing and a curse right in front of us. Are we going to obey and honor God or are we going to give in to sin and then have to deal with his consequences, which as we talked about yesterday, ain't nobody got time for that. But what's going to motivate us to choose the blessing, to choose obedience. It's going to be faith. Faith is what fuels obedience. But what fuels faith? Where does faith come from? Well, remembering. And that's where, as we're often going to see in scripture, we should remember the mighty acts of God that we see in the Bible. That's one of the reasons why they're there. That's one of the reasons why we still have the Bible, because we should take comfort. You should take just as much comfort as the people of Israel did from the parting of the Red Sea and even the the judgment God brought on Dathan and Abiram. You should take comfort from those things. And also you should take comfort as you consider your own personal testimony. And even as we think about what God has saved you from, and even as we think about that blessing and that cursing that is set in front of us, that brings me now to Romans chapter one. So we finish the chapter verses 18 through 32, which now starts to talk about the wrath of God being revealed. And it gets into why the wrath of God is being revealed. And it talks a lot about the sin of people. And I've often said, and I'm not the first that has said this, that reading the second half of Romans 1 is kind of like reading the last 100 years of American history. There's a rejection of God as a creator. There's all kinds of sexual immorality, which then leads to uh, kind of this homosexual agenda and just an exaltation of, of that lifestyle. And then it ends with a list of all kinds of wickedness. Well, as we read these things, it's important for us to remember, and we'll get more into this in Romans chapter two, that even though these are the things that God is bringing his wrath on a society for, Christians must be careful. We must not just look at these things and say, oh yeah, the wicked world out there. We must realize, no, these things are going to continue to tempt us. We are going to be tempted by sexual immorality. We are going to be tempted to be haughty or proud and boastful, like it mentions towards the end of the chapter, we are going to be tempted to be foolish and faithless. And so we don't want to look at this list and act like we're above it. We want to look at this list and one, remember, God, this is what you have saved me from. And if I wasn't living this out before you saved me, this is where I would have gotten to if you hadn't saved me. And then we need to realize these are the things that are going to continue to tempt us. And how are we going to say no to that temptation? Through faith, through remembering what God has done for us. So as you read the second half of Romans 1, pray for your nation, pray for revival in the United States of America, but also think about yourself 
Think about your own testimony, how God has saved you, and ask God to protect you from temptation in these things. And look to God, say, God, no, no, because of what you have done for me and how you have proven yourself, God, I delight to do your will, as we saw already in Psalm 40. Finally, we look at Matthew 25 and finish the chapter with verses 41 through 46. And this is the flip side of what we read yesterday, where God uh, is separating the sheep and the goats and tells the faithful, hey, because you uh, were, were kind to the least of these and you visited me in prison and you gave me water, right? And you didn't really do it to me, but you did it to the least of these and that was like doing it for me. Come on in. Welcome into the joy of heaven. Well, today's the flip side of that when he says to those on his left, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then he goes through that similar list. You know, I basically, I was hungry, but you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me water. And, and he goes on and again, they say, wait, when did we see these things? And he says, well, when you didn't do it for the least of these, you did it. You didn't do it for me. And here is a good reminder, again, that there will be a lot of people um headed towards judgment and hell who, I guess on paper, have decent theology. People who would say, oh, I believe the right things, but they show that that faith is not real because they have no love for one another. And that last verse is important on some doctrine that will be challenged. If you look there at verse 46, it says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so as you consider those who uh, would try to teach some kind of doctrine of annihilationism, that hell either is not there because unbelievers simply just go out of existence when they die, or that hell is not eternal, but at some point the judgment is done and the people are just done away with, uh, the probably the most clear passage I would point people like that to is Matthew 25 46, where it seems to put an equal sign and kind of put these two things in a symmetrical way, right? That the eternal punishment is like the eternal life. And I don't see any Christians trying to say that heaven isn't going to last forever. No, scripture seems pretty clear on that. Well, and this verse really seems to be saying that just like heaven is going to last forever, well, hell is forever too. And may that not be a doctrine that we are, you know, even gleeful about. Uh, may that be a sobering reminder to us, making us more thankful for our own salvation and more eager to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And may we even be praying for extra opportunities to do that this week, Easter week, by inviting someone to, to church when they're more likely to come or, or seizing on the opportunity to have a conversation of, well, what do you think about Jesus Christ? Did he really rise from the dead? And, and to have that conversation with someone else. But I hope as we look at God's word and as you think about what he has done for you and your salvation, as you remember the great things that he has done, I hope that fuels your faith. And that faith fuels then a faithful, obedient Christian life. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.